From Hyde Park United Methodist in Tampa, Florida, this is The Bible Project 2020, a journey to reading the Bible without fear or frustration. I'm your host, Matt Hotho. We're fortunate today to have Dr. Michael Doherty, the Director of Traditional Music at Hyde Park United Methodist, on the podcast to talk about the musical reception of the Psalms in our hymnal and in Christian tradition. Celia Furman, a member of Hyde Park United Methodist and a member of our podcast team, kicks off this interview with some reflections on the Psalms and an introduction of Michael. Enjoy! In previous podcasts, there have been in-depth discussions of the theology and structure of Psalms. Also, we've had a study on David's authorship. This week's podcast on Psalms will emphasize their use in worship, particularly in music. The Book of Psalms is the largest known collection of ancient lyric poetry. Most of these fall into the categories of hymns of praise, second, laments or pleas for help, and third, poems of thanksgiving. As a book of poetry, Psalms is intensely personal often worded in the first person and speaking directly to God. They are heartfelt prayers, whether joyful, angry, sad, desperate, or full of longing that tend to be unflinchingly honest and timeless. They were written to be sung. Here at Hyde Park, we are so fortunate to have on staff Michael Doherty. He's most often seen in his role as director of traditional music and leading the choir, but his job is oh so much more. Michael has a doctorate in choral conducting from UNC Greensboro, a master's degree in sacred music from Emory. Personal note, Matt Hotho and I are also Emory grads. Michael also was an organ scholar at Westminster College, Oxford, England. Michael, good morning, and why do you think over 2,000 years after these poems were written, they still speak to us? Thank you. Thank you, Celia. So I think the Psalms have such a huge range of both emotion personally and communally. They uh, are the uh, communal songbook. They are a communal songbook that uh, has just such a range of emotion uh, personally uh, in the first person, as you said. But there's also uh, Psalms that talk about the community. So uh, there's a couple pairs that, that, that you can pick out. So Psalm 8 and Psalm 9. Psalm 8, O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's the whole congregation uh, speaking. Um, And then Psalm 9, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. So there's lots of little places in the Psalms that you see both a personal expression, but then also a communal expression. And because of that, I think that there's um, it's it's able to translate very well into uh, what we need as a society, what we need personally. Um, even in in our days, uh, uh, we, we I think are quick to lament right now. Uh, Psalm forty four. Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? But then Psalm twenty two. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
those are, again, communal lament and then personal lament. And that kind of uh, sense of both emotion, raw emotion throughout the Psalms, and then communal and personal uh, expression of those emotions is what is filled with the Psalms. So it gives uh, poetic writers later a lot of, of fertile ground to work with. Michael, also share with us a little of the history of the use of psalms and music in worship. When do we see it? Who? How do we see it? Well, this is, this is a, of course, a huge, huge, huge um, uh, topic. Um, you could probably study your whole life and not know everything there is about the way that psalms have been used in worship. Uh, the, the simple fact is, to, to some, uh, to some degree. The book of Psalms is the hymnal of the Hebrew people. It's the songbook of the Hebrew people. So uh, Christians inherited that. There is some discussion about how complete in the early church, uh, through, through the third, fourth century or so, how completely uh, Christian worship would have really uh, been modeled after Hebrew worship, and therefore how much uh, the Psalms would have actually been used. Uh, there's some research that says, in fact, the Psalms were not read by the Hebrew people after uh, the temple fell in the, in the 70s AD. So uh, it would be, it would seem to be logical that Christians wouldn't have used it either. But we really don't know. There's just really nothing written down. So it's all sort of happenstance guessing. Uh, what we do know is that very early in monastic traditions in the Christian church, um, the, the Psalter was used as the backbone of uh, prayer in, in monastic life. So in the sixth century, uh, the rule of St. Benedict, if you've ever read that in, in a government class, that's a, that's a read for government because that's a really important way that a society can be set up. Uh, his idea, uh, Benedict's rule uh, and, and idea was that we recite all 150 psalms every week as a oh, wow. congregation. So some in some of the, I, I forget how many there are, but, but there's nine services a day. Um, and in some of the services, you're reading 15 uh, psalms. And that's basically the, the extent of the prayer. That's really all you're doing. You do that and then you say, uh, glory to God in the highest at the end. And that's, you're done. That's basically the, 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 the pattern of prayer. Um, so that is, is a real taking of the Psalms, directly taking of the Psalms into worship. Um, and every, uh, every monastic order would have a different rule like that. Sometimes it's getting through them all in a week. Sometimes it's getting through them in a month. Uh, if you go to the Anglican church today, um, if you go to Evensong, you will be entering into a uh, form of worship where through morning prayer and evening prayer, they get through all 150 psalms in a month. So that's another way that the, the worship life is ordered around the Psalter. Um, and the, this would have been sung, but it would have been chanted. We, we, I think we, many people know Gregorian chant. It's a lot of repeating notes to basically just keep the congregation, the monks, the however many monks there were, together uh, so that they're, 
they're reciting the Psalms together. And it became somewhat musical in different places. It would be really musical. Uh, and there'd be lots of melody and lots of improvisation. In other places, it was just one note uh, rhythmically said, basically, uh, but one note sung, kind of half singing, half speech. Um, of course, that kind of grew, and with the Reformation, um, we, we started having congregational song because congregations, it, it's, it was seen as important for the congregation to have a much more active role in, um, in all parts of the liturgy. And one of the easiest ways to do that was through hymn singing. So some of, our, uh, some of those hymns come out of uh, that tradition of psalm singing. Um, and that, of course, like I said before, then that emotion and the raw material uh, is is used right through today in our psalms and, and songs. Uh, sorry, in our hymns and songs. Are there hymns that we would recognize and be able to sing that we would know the? Helm authors? Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm sitting at the piano, so I can play one. I will just play it and sing it and see if you know it, because I'm pretty sure you will. Oh, sounds good. Okay. So, of course, that is, that's Psalm 90. That is a, a metrical setting of Psalm 90. I'm going to get my Bible out so that While I While you're doing that, for everyone at home, Celia named that hymn in like two notes. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, she did. So, so. I was very impressed. <laughs> so. Particularly for someone who doesn't sing. <laughs> So let me get out Psalm 90 here. So who is the, who is that the is, author of that hymn? That is Isaac Watts. I'll tell you a little bit about Isaac Watts uh, right. Right, right after I, I read this. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So that is beautiful. In Hebrew, it is more poetic than it is in uh, English because we are used to rhyme and meter. Um, Hebrew poetry works differently with numbers of syllables and um, more, it's more image-based. The poetry is more image-based. So that becomes just, Lord, you have been our dwelling place, becomes, O oh God, our hope, sorry, O oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. That has the meter, so so uh, a, a very clear rhythmic structure, and it also sets up the rhyme, um, which we which we require in English for poetry. And it makes it easier for us to to memorize. Absolutely, it also. absolutely. Uh, the, the mnemonic device of of music cannot be overlooked. Now that that hymn writer is Isaac Watts, and he has written a whole bunch of hymns that we would know. Um, the, the Calvinist movement in the Reformation uh, basically said you could not sing anything that was not um, scriptural. John Calvin was not a very happy man <laughs> for everyone listening at home. That, that is, that, that's probably fair. <laughs> um, he did not toe tap to the music? No, 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 no he didn't. Um, so uh, so Isaac, uh, Isaac Watts set to basically setting 
psalms. Now, there's there's also Psalters. The Genevan Psalter was a little earlier, and it was a hymn book that was nothing but metrical settings of the psalms. So taking the poetry of the Bible um, and turning it into metered uh, poems that work better in English is, is basically a, a kind of a quick way to say that. So Isaac Watts was one of the best of those. Uh, he was not in that early generation. He was a little bit later, but um, he was very, very good at doing that. Another one that I'm sure that you would know, and I'm going to share a little bit of a bias about this. Um, here we go. Right? So that's joy to the world, right? Joy to the world. Now, I I maintain, and I only really figured this out maybe about two years ago, this is not a Christmas piece. Nowhere in it is there anything that is really overtly Christmas in the words, except for the first line. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. But that verb is, is not necessarily meaning he's coming like from the virgin or anything like there's nothing like that in this hymn it is a straight setting of psalm 98 um so it almost could be an easter hymn too it could, it, it is a very general hymn of praise to god within a christian context of course it's jesus but even that is never stated in this hymn Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns, let all their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. There is no overt mention of Jesus in this. And I, like I said, I only figured that out about two years ago, uh, reading this hymn, and it's like, whoa, that's very strange. So, uh, But, but it, it, that is another part of the singing of, of texts. Um, and I think partially the tunes have a lot to do with this as well. Um, the combination of those two things now, and maybe it's just because I was raised that way, sounds like Christmas. <laughs> and, and I think for a lot of people, that hymn just sounds like Christmas, uh, no, no matter what the words say. <laughs> yes, so, yes. So, um, it's a singing of psalms still relevant today? Um, yes, I think so. I think uh, the, the hymns that we sing, the hymns and songs that we sing, um, are filled with um, with the imagery of psalmody, with the idea of of lament or of praise. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's um, singing the psalms through hymns in in new ways is is always relevant. Um, mostly because, like I said before, the emotion that is within the Psalms is so complete and is such fertile ground for, um, uh, for exploration of just being human and then expressing that in both personal and communal ways. I think probably the Psalm and the block of Psalms that we've been reading this week that's the most familiar would be the 23rd yep. Psalm. Yep, yep. Share with me. Musically reflecting and also 
let's hear a little of that. I okay. think it would give us all comfort. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let me let me find my so in, in our hymnal we have uh, throughout we actually have uh, canticles, um, which are basically scriptural songs or psalms that are that are kind of throughout. We have the entire Psalter in the back of our hymnal, which is all 150 psalms, um, with a way to chant them and musical responses. If I had an hour, I would uh, teach you all how to do that <laughs> over there, but I don't, so I won't. <laughs> but um, uh, what one of those is Psalm uh, is hymn number 137. Uh, that is the NRSV version, I believe, of the of the words of Psalm 23. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. So we, we are relatively familiar with that. Uh, we hear it quite frequently at both funerals and weddings. Um, it is a song of, of praise. It is, it is a song of thanksgiving. Um, and it is also a song of trust, of, of complete trust in God. And that um, there are many very beautiful settings of that in that version, um, just straight, straight scripture. Um, and that's, uh, that's all fine for congregations who sing really, really, really well or choirs. Um, typically in the choir, I tend to sing that text probably more than any of the others. But we do have uh, several uh, settings of Psalm 23 in metrical versions. So again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's not really metrical. There's a meter to it, but it's not as metrical as hymn 136, which is right before it. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. (laughs) So let me sing just a little bit of that. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet waters by. So that really echoes the text very well. You can you can see the text in that really quite completely. Another one, and they've kind of, the hymnal writer, uh, the hymnal uh, uh, editors kind of group these together. Uh, so 138, so that was 136, and then the psalm itself is 137, this one's 138. <clears throat> the king of love, my shepherd is, Whose goodness faileth never, I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. So that's another tune uh, with a different text. Um, and I think they those two tunes have very different kind of uh, sensibilities that fit the way the text works too separately. So the one was, the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. It's pretty straightforward. The second one is, the king of love my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. There's more poetic depth in the second one in some ways. And I think the tune, sort of that wandering tune... It kind of meanders a little bit more 
kind of like the text meanders a little bit more uh, poetically. So, so that's the, those are two. Then there's one other one that, um, in doing some research for this, I hadn't really caught that it was a setting of one twenty, uh, Psalm twenty-three, but it is. He leadeth me, oh blessed thought, oh words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. So if you notice, that one has none of the shepherd imagery, but it still is very much, he leads me um, and I follow. Um, so those are, those are really good examples um, of, of Psalm 23. So, yeah. And they certainly are excellent examples of how the Psalms still speak to us. Absolutely. We still need that leadership. We still need to know that he is watching over us. He hears our cries. Uh, We are grateful for your wisdom and your leadership. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening. One thing I miss in this social distance time that we're in is communal singing. As you're reading these psalms, perhaps a hymn or praise song will come to mind. If that happens, I'd encourage you to stop and pull up Spotify or YouTube for some impromptu worship. Don't worry, we won't hear you. And singing does the soul good. So stay connected with us by subscribing to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also join us for online worship Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at hydeparkumc.org slash live. Celia Furman produced this episode. I'm Matt Hotho. See you next week.